quiz, who are we praying for? You're close, you're close, but why are we praying for him? Who, who does he have? Um, yeah. yeah, Jeff who? Uh, I know, I mean, y'all are getting ready for finals, and here I am pop quizzing you in church. This is not fair, but it's Jeff Woodkey. Jeff Woodkey, and the guy who has him is Abu Akrali. Did I say that close enough? Hopefully. Where else do we want to pray for? There's a whole bunch of places in the world, but I'm thinking of one with, like, a war in Eastern Europe. Anyone want to help me out? Ukraine, Ukraine yep. So right now, as we are speaking, as I'm speaking anyway, uh, they are evacuating steel workers from a factory in, I suck at pronunciations, and I had to watch a YouTube video to pronounce this, and I'm still going to butcher it, but Mariupol, something like that. Um, hopefully I didn't butcher it too bad. So pray for that evacuation process. Uh, UN is taking the lead on that. I'm not sure which countries are uh, involved, but that is happening right now. It's, uh, I didn't know about it until about three or four minutes ago when I Googled Ukraine just to make sure I didn't miss any last-minute updates. So we'll pray for uh, Jeff, pray for Abu Akrali, pray for Ukraine, uh, both this evacuation and just the, uh, the church there. So with regard to the church in Ukraine and with regard to Jeff, let's just pray that God would use them to shine a light to their captors, to the Russian invaders, and to their neighbors, fellow prisoners, etc., who don't know Christ, that they would see in them that reaction right there, that ability to have joy in the situation, that's not normal, that's not human. I want that. How do I get that? So join me real quickly in praying for those two things. God, we want to um, lift before you our brother Jeff Woodkey uh, and his family. Pray that you would use Jeff to shine a light to his captors and to fellow prisoners, that they would see your work in him, your spirit in him, and know that... Uh, that's not normal, that's not human, and see that and ask him, how can I have what you have? Likewise, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine that they would show um, supernatural fortitude that only you can provide and that their neighbors, their friends, the Russian troops who are invading Ukraine would see that and want what they have and that they would be able to show them and tell them and lead them to you. Pray also for strength for them that they would take refuge in you, and know that you are their fortress. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Morning. Morning. So Noah made a passive comment, and I should bring it up. He said, you know, you really don't need a mic because you talk loud anyway. <laughs> so I, I hold that against him. I'm always picking on... I'm either picking on or like really supporting the sound people. It's like that in drummers. It's like you either pick on them or support them. It's one or the other, but it's always those two categories of people. If you've ever done theater or anything like that, it's just always the go-to. Uh, so good morning. I am not Pastor Scott. Um, my name is Andrew. I'm an elder here at the church at Calvary Chapel, um, along with Pastor Scott and Pastor Andy, who are obviously not here, so sorry. You guys are stuck with me speaking this morning. So I am excited, actually. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm going to be preaching out of John 21. Uh, you can turn there now. We're not going to quite read it yet. Um, it's kind of the stereotypical verse. You guys probably know it. As soon as we start, you'll be like, oh, yeah, wait, we got that. But I just, it's been really cool this week as I've been prepping. Um, it's a very different message than it was on Monday. 
That's usually the way when I write messages or when I do a worship set, even the sound crew will let you know. It's never like consistent. It's never what I told you it would be. And so it was cool how the Lord kind of built on it. Um, I went on a, a very shortened survival trip uh, this Thursday to Friday. Uh, I was going to go longer, um, but uh, the Lord said, go home. You know, right? Isn't that the way things usually go where it's like, yeah, I'm going to go do this and this is going to be great. And then it's like, oh, I'm done. Okay, cool. And that's just the way life is a lot of times. So I, I went home um, after eating cattails and uh, a lot of the other stuff. You guys ever see Alone, the TV show? Nobody's ever seen Alone, a couple people. I, I, that's, that's cool, like to go out and actually survive. I love that stuff, wild edibles, prepping meat out in the wilderness. To me, that is like filling to me. I can go out and do that and I'm like, ah. Oh and I'm hungry, and I feel smoky. Like, just, I love that stuff. Some of you are like, I want to just be at a computer the whole time. And that's cool, too. Whatever fills you. Um, so, that's totally a sidetrack. Uh, I move a lot. Noah, I am sorry, brother, but I'm going to be moving. So, online people, I love you guys. Don't hold it against Noah. It's me. Um, so, I want to do a game at first. Okay? So, we're going to do a, a little game. My daughter loves this. Um, so we're going to do a little game, uh, and I'm going to say a quote, and I want you guys to try to tell me who said that quote. I have five, okay? Some of them are going to be easier than others, okay? So you guys ready? Here's the first one. I only regret that I have but one life to lose for my country. Oh, very nice. Usually it's that guy who was killed for being a traitor to the British government. You actually have a name. I was nervous about doing this to Cornell students because you guys are really smart, and so it's like, oh, I know that one. Law law, oh, law school, law school students. Okay, next one. Ready? This one, this one takes a little enacting. I don't know how this will sound on the mic, but that's okay. Freedom! Somebody said it. Braveheart. Somebody said, whoever it was, Braveheart. Have you guys ever seen the movie Braveheart? No? Oh, okay. Anyway, okay, this is a good one. This is a good one. I am bored with it all. Me. <laughs> Josiah. I am bored with it all. Anybody want to take a shot? Winston Churchill. That does not sound like Churchill, but that was Winston Churchill. Okay, ready. Here we go. Number four. There is nothing proper about what you are doing, soldier, but do try to kill me properly. Oh, oh here goes Josiah again. No? No? Anyone? Cicero. It was Cicero. Okay, last one. This one's really hard because really anybody could say this. Oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. <laughs> Anyone? <laughs> Anybody want to take a shot at who that could be? Nope. Steve Jobs. Okay, there'll be a point to that later. Don't worry. I promise, I promise. Okay, so uh, this morning I want to kind of break this up into three categories. That's the stereotypical preaching thing that I'm just going to hold on to. Three categories. They teach you that in like preaching school. And yes, there are actually preaching classes in most seminaries and Bible colleges. So three, three things that I want to cover this morning. An encouragement, a warning, and a calling. 
an encouragement, a warning, and a calling. All based on kind of similar verses that we're going to cover in John 21. So let's turn to John 21, starting in verse 15 through 19. <clears throat> 15 through 19. If you don't have a Bible, we do have them available in the back as well if you want to grab one. Or open the Bible app on your phone. There's several of them. So uh, John 21, 15 through 19. Uh, I'm reading out of the New King James. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for a beautiful day, beautiful morning. Father, thank you for worship. Thank you for your word. I pray that you would come and hang out with us, speak to us. God, I love that your word can communicate individually as we are in a congregational setting. So God, I pray that you would speak to us in where we are in Jesus' name. Amen. So how many of you have read that verse before at some point? <laughs> it's a pretty typical verse that a lot of people cover a lot of times. Um, what I would like to do is start with the encouragement aspect, the encouragement. And the encouragement will be this. Everybody fails. Everybody fails. So I think a lot of times in life, no, really no matter what age you are, there's different things that, that we hit with this. A lot of times in life... Um, you feel like you're messing up and you shouldn't. How many of you guys have felt like that in the last year, month? I'm keeping my hand up, right? It's like, oh man, I am such a failure. I'm messing this. Nobody ever messes this up. Everybody gets it right. We always, we always play this game with ourselves, to where it's like, I am a failure. Oh my gosh, how dare I? I mean, continue the narrative in your own head with what you've probably said to yourself. Um, <laughs> nobody gets it right. I, I really want to encourage you guys, step one this morning, nobody gets it right through their life, except one person. But nobody gets it right through their life. The Bible is completely chock full of failures. Name somebody who didn't besides Jesus. In the Bible, the what? Daniel has an interesting one. So is there a failure narrative in Daniel? And I would love to discuss that with you. Is there a failure narrative in Daniel? Read Daniel. Find out. It's kind of an interesting thing. But people fail through scriptures. And then you read Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is kind of really confusing to me. It's the faith chapter. Look at how great these people's faith were. And I'm like, really? <laughs> like Abraham had this great faith. Can we recap Abraham's life? And what happens? Anybody remember what happened with Abraham and the promised chosen son? 
He had a son with another woman because his wife encouraged him to sleep with another woman, and so there was another son born. To me, that's kind of a lack of faith. But it's, it's really cool because I think Scripture drives at this idea of you don't have to get it right to be used by the Lord. You don't have to get it right in order to have God speak to you, in order to have God empower you to do something. If you read through the Gospels, how many times did the disciples mess up? I don't have a number. I'm just asking. I, I don't know. Does anybody know the number? That would be really impressive. A lot. They messed up a lot. I mean, they, Jesus sent them out two by two, right? They go, they, they heal the sick, they cast out demons. They're doing these amazing things. And then they come back and what do they do? They argue about who's best. They say, oh, no, well, you know, God, I think I'm, I'm the best. I'm going to sit at your right hands. No, 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 Lord, uh, this, this, this one is going to sit at your right hand. And that's after having an amazing, successful missionary trip, short-term missionary trip. And these were the ones that hung out with Jesus the most. You will fail. And that's okay. <laughs> that's okay to fail. I mean, I don't, don't go seeking it. Don't go, like, try to fail. But go and fail while trying something. That's okay. So when Jesus said this to Peter, do you remember what happened before this event? What did Peter do? He denied Christ. He denied Jesus flat out, said, I don't know him. And we'll, we'll read that in a second. But God still said to Peter, look, man, like, do you love me? Well, yes, I do. Go then. He still gave him that commission, even though Peter had seriously messed up. And Jesus already knew that he messed up. It's okay to fail. It's okay to mess up. I, I don't want us to, to see the, the, the Christian life and, and serving Jesus as this thing that is always going to be amazing. It's always going to be daisies and roses, fields and beautiful dancing. No, it's not. You are promised to have tribulation in this world. You're promised it. And so when you go through that tribulation, sometimes you'll come out on the other end looking really good, and sometimes you'll smell like smoke and look like garbage. But you're out. You went through. So the failure narrative is really, really important for us to know. And for us to know that through failure, he usually is glorified kind of to a higher extent, maybe in our lives or maybe in others. Through failure, there's more attention off of us and on whatever else is going on. Because if we did this whole thing and we were great the whole time and we were successful and, man, we wore it well, well, then you look good. But through a failure, now it's about not just me looking good, it's about the attentions on him. Hopefully, maybe not, but it should be, rather than on you. How many of you guys have ever heard the, uh, the concept of worm pride? Ha ha, cool. I wasn't sure that we were going to talk about this, but we are. Um, so worm pride. The idea that 
Woe is me. Oh, life is terrible, and I'm going through this, and oh, man, can you believe it's me? Me. Look at me. I, oh, me. Is that still pride? It's an interesting one because it's not the pride that we think of like, hello, good to meet you. I am perfect in every way. That, right? That's like, oh, yeah, that's pride. But then we also look at this idea of worm pride, and that's pride. You are still redirecting attention onto yourself. You're drawing attention to you because we crave attention as humans. We do. We crave it. We want it. And so there's this idea of worm pride as well that I think we really need to be careful of because I feel like in Western Christianity a lot of times, that's where we go. It's not as obvious of a pride issue, but it's still a pride issue. So I, I, the encouragement is this, fail, and fail well, because failure is an incredible opportunity. And failure, more than likely, it means that you're progressing with something, because if you don't try to do something, you're probably never going to fail at it. If you just sit and don't do anything, it's really hard to fail. But if you're progressing and moving through life, trying to do things, trying to be a follower of Jesus, you're probably going to fail quite often. And that's okay. It's okay to fail. It's okay to mess up. Okay? Let's read Peter's failure. Uh, John 18. So maybe one or two pages back in your Bible. John 18, 15 through 18. And we all know it, but let's, let's read it. John 18, 15 through 18. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I'm not. Now the servants and officers who had made a fire of coals stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Jump to 25 through 27. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I'm not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately a rooster crowed. There's a failure narrative that's important to, to learn from here. Because Jesus still used Peter as an incredible spearhead of the early church. Even though he denied knowing Jesus. Be used by the Lord in your walk with him, even though you mess up. Still embrace being used. Don't bring the attention on yourself so much that, oh, I could never be used again. I couldn't, no, I'm not worthy. Whatever that mentality is, be careful with that. Because we, we need to fail. And then we need to keep going. Failure doesn't mean stop. Failure doesn't mean stagnation. Failure doesn't mean backtrack. Failure means keep going. 
And if you don't keep going, you or someone else could miss what God has for you or someone else. So progress through failure. Don't just stop in failure and lament yourself. Progress through failure. One of the verses I want to focus on that is not usually talked about, turn back to John 21, is uh, verse 18. Verse 18, we're talking about this process, the progress through failure. Um, Verse 18 kind of blows it into a lifetime proportion. So let's read it again. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. When you were younger, when you were older. Talk about the, the ultimate process of life, birth to death. It's important to note that that verse follows Jesus telling Peter to go and do something. Even though there was a failure, even though Peter is going to live his life and then be crucified, still go and serve me through that process, through that growing up. So much so that you look at the three sheep ideas there. What's the first one where Jesus said to Peter, do you love me? The first one is lambs, tend or feed my lambs. What's the second one? What is it? Tend my sheep. And what's the third one? Feed my sheep. There's a natural process there. So I I have owned sheep for uh, four out of the past five years. There is a natural order where Jesus is talking about. Okay, you lamb out sheep on your property, and it's so cute. I mean, it is amazing. These things are running around. All my neighbors are like, come on outside, and it's still pretty cold because it's like February or March, and they come outside, and they look at these little lambs after a couple days because usually the first few days, they're in the birthing shelter, and then they come out, and I mean, once they get to the yard, oh my gosh, it's, it's ridiculous. They are very, very cute. So these little lambs are jumping around, and let me, t- let me tell you, they mess up a lot. <laughs> they'll roll around. I mean, they'll smash into stuff. They just they don't know how their feet quite work yet, so they need a lot of care, not necessarily from me, from the, 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 um, the you that gave birth to them. A lot of times she'll, like, move around with them. Uh, sometimes there's really deep snow on the ground, and so they just get stuck. I have to go out, and I actually have to move them because the you doesn't. Um, so... Tending, tending lambs is, is a thing. It, there's, there's time and energy that, go in, that goes into tending lambs. Now, tending sheep is a little different. Tending sheep just means that you need to kind of make sure that they rotate grazing and, you know, make sure that you, you check them for health issues, for hoof rot. There's all these different things that you just need to kind of be knowledgeable about and take a look at. And then there's feeding sheep, which is a whole thing. Because there's a a thing called winter in Ithaca to where there's no grass really that you can see anywhere. So how do you feed sheep? It's planting. It's storage. It's communicating with farmers who cut hay. Like there's a lot of steps in order to do this. And here's what I'm getting at with this. Jesus is telling Peter there's a process of taking care of believers because that's what this is focused on is believers, caring for the church, caring for each other as believers. And a lot of times, if somebody is new, comes to the faith, newly come to the faith, 
it's a different kind of care than if somebody grew up in the faith and is experiencing God, is running after Jesus with their whole heart, but has years of doing that behind them. Pastor Scott recently talked about milk and meat. Do you guys remember that? Maybe like two months ago, he, he covered milk and meat, milk for, for new believers. But hey, you older believers, get off that. You need meat now. There's this narrative through scripture to where there is a consistent theme, just grow up. And, but there's a caretaking theme in this as well. It's not just for the person growing up, it's for the leader who is going through it with the individual. And so there, this process means you should be making progress no matter what happens. So I'll tell you a, a story of a ram that I had. Uh, this ram was imprinted. For any of you biology students, you kind of know what that means. Uh, imprinted means that this ram thought it was a human. It was bottle-fed from a young age. There was complications with the mother. So it, was, it really did honestly think it was a person. It would come and like want to hang out with us and didn't want anything to do with the other sheep until breeding season. Um, but it would totally want to hang out with us all the time. And then breeding season hit and he changed. Very quickly from, hi guys, this is great, to, what's up? And he got like really nasty and aggressive. And you hear these consistent themes of rams. And when they change, they change. You know, and, I, and then I had to you know, go out and, and do feed or anything looking over my shoulder. He wasn't a big boy. He, he was a little guy. He was kind of the run to the litter. But he was still there. And he had horns. And he liked to butt people a lot, especially me, because I, I was the other male. And for some reason, he knew it. Um, so some sheep are kind of tough to take care of. And that's okay. He failed a lot of times. He actually got out of our fence a couple times. Um, we have coyotes in our area. We live in Spencer. We have coyotes. And so there's this moment to when it's, he gets out of the fence and it's like, do I want to get him? Or do I want to feed the coyotes? Not really, but you know, there was this process where it was like, this guy has gotten out. And I had an electric fence, like you name it. I had everything hooked up to protect him. Away he goes. And my neighbors would call me, dude, he's in my yard again, like grazing in this beautiful grass that was cleanly mowed and now it's got like sheep poop on it. My neighbors aren't a fan. Um, but it, it became kind of this laughing thing to where this sheep really needed some extra attention. He failed and he could have died doing it. But there finally came a point to where he stopped trying to get out. It took like six or seven things of me trying, okay, well, we'll try to run a, a hotline, so a, an electric line along the bottom of my chain link fence in the backyard. And he would literally like crawl underneath to where he would get it on his wool and it wouldn't get him. So he would just, and it's an insulator, so he wouldn't care. And then it was like, all right, fine. I'll buy these really nasty long stakes with the curve on the top and the little like zigzag through it, like these big stakes. And I'm gonna put like three of them on every eight foot section of my chain link fence. That finally did it, to where he couldn't push the chain link fence and literally slide under the chain link fence. Yeah, and then I had to put woven wire on the front yard. It was this huge thing, but all that to say, and this is why I'm saying this, some people just need a little bit more care. Some people need a little bit more long suffering. If you are the person that needs more care and that needs long suffering, then fail well. 
Now, you might have to fail six or seven times with the same thing, which can be really frustrating for the person failing. But fail well. Learn that process of failing. If you are the person that's standing with a friend, a family member, whoever that is in that process, support them. And sometimes that support can look very different. I'm not saying how to support them because support can look very aggressive. Support can be, you need to go and do your thing. I'm not going to be involved. That could be supportive. So that, that's a whole other conversation that you guys can have because there, that's, that's, there's a lot there. But my encouragement is this. Failure is a good thing that we can and should learn from. And that is right here, Jesus saying, Look, man, you need to go. I know you failed. I know. Go. Still go. So if you're in that moment of failure now, if you're feeling that, hang on. Fail well. Really press through. Press forward. The second thing is a warning. So John 21, 20 through 25. We're going to bump forward to the next section. John 21, 20 through 25. <coughs> Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following. I love how John talks about himself all the time. You know, he, he anyway. <laughs> uh, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Then this saying went out among the brethren that the disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. Warning, don't get cocky through the process. Don't get cocky. Um, you know, it, it's an interesting section of verses that I, I haven't heard talked about a lot. Um, but what, what happened was Jesus said something, and maybe one or two or a handful of people took what Jesus said, and they're like, I got it. I know what that means. It means John is going to live forever. That's awesome. Or Jesus is coming back within the next, how old are you? 16. Okay, within the next like 90 years, Jesus is coming back. That's awesome. And Jesus, is, that's not what I said. So there's this point, be careful, keep yourself in check about how much you think you know. Because through this process and through failure, the more we learn from failure, the more we learn from failure. And a lot of us, as we progress through serving Jesus, it comes to a point where we have learned a lot because <laughs> we have failed a lot. Be careful that you don't make that the golden token, that that's not the thing that you use in order to teach others or stand up and say, well, I got it. I've been through that 10 times. Don't I come to me. You're good. Be careful. Don't be cocky through failure because you can very easily slip into that cockiness of knowing what it means. I know Jesus said that. I know. Oh, I got it. I got the interpretation. Nope, nobody else. Shh, silence, please. Hearken to me. 
Be careful. Don't get cocky as you go through the process of failure. Continue to fail. And that's why I said at the beginning, it doesn't matter how long you've been walking with Jesus, still fail well. Still fail well. Doesn't matter if you've been a, a Christian for six months or if you've been a Christian for 60 years. Fail well. Because so many people, and you guys hear the headlines, you guys see what's going on, so many leaders of the faith today stop failing. And they think that they got it and they fall into what they think they got. Whether that's adultery, whether that's money laundering. Um, we recently saw the eyes of Tammy Faye. Oh my gosh. I mean, the, the things that people who represent Jesus to the masses have done and they don't fail well. They fail horribly. Fail well, always, always, always. And part of failing well is repentance. You really got to keep that in mind. You need people around you that you could be like, look, bro, I messed up. Look, this is what's going on. You need people around you that you can talk to like that. And if you don't have it, you need to get it. And sometimes that can hurt or be uncomfortable. Oh, you know, Andrew, I've been burnt in the past. You know, I've tried the accountability thing. How many of you guys can say that? I have. I've been burnt by accountability several times. You know, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know if I want to give it a try. Fail well. Failing well could be putting yourself out there for somebody that doesn't deserve it because nobody deserves that. But it could be that you put yourself out there for somebody to be hurt. That is possible. I was just talking to somebody this morning that you lay yourself down even when you see or feel the need to be fed, you lay yourself down. Jesus is a great representation of that. Now, there is a point that it becomes abuse and that does change things, that is different. But that's where accountability comes in, where people that are knowing what's going on and seeing what you've been talking about in this process can be like, yeah, that's the line. It's been crossed at that point. Not okay. <clears throat> um, there's that, that part in, uh, in The Chosen. How many of you guys have seen The Chosen? Okay. It's really good, actually. I'm a huge movie buff. Just watch The Chosen. Um, season one, there's this scene where Jesus, uh, well, the disciples are arguing. Uh, Matthew is there, and he's been a tax collector. How dare you do that to our people? You're a traitor to your own people, and just getting on his case, and then they start getting on each other's case. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes stumbling back after hours and hours and hours of healing people. And he is just like, <laughs> like sweating like crazy, totally out of breath, out of energy, toast after a day like that. And he walks by after these guys are arguing, and he's like, good night. And like stumbles to his tent. So much, so much. I will tread lightly. A lot of what we go through is not a big deal compared to things that Christ faced. And that's the perfect comparison, but I make it. I'll stand by that. Jesus is our example. He's our representation. And so in going through suffering and going through failure, lay yourself down for others. Through your failure, through your pain, lay yourself down for other people. It's really important that we do that because that's, that's how you represent Christ. 
That's how you follow Jesus, is to lay yourself down. No matter what, to lay yourself down. A few do nots in this warning. Three do not. Do not do these things. Do not insert your own desires into his teachings. So maybe what the the disciples who heard this and the followers of Jesus who were like, wow, cool, so you're not coming back until John or John is eternal, whatever it is. I bet part of them, their desire was that Jesus come quickly. Within the next 60 years, we're going to see Jesus return and their desire got inserted into interpreting what Jesus wanted. Or excuse me, what Jesus said. What they wanted, but what Jesus said. Be careful that you don't insert your desire into what you see the Bible saying or into the situation at hand. Because your desire might not be right. Your desire might be a little off from what God actually wants to do. I, who desires long-term suffering? Maybe somebody, if you raise your hands, that's cool. If you're thinking, maybe I do. We could talk afterwards. That, I mean, that's cool. You know, there's, there's an idea to where I consider it pure joy, my brethren, when you face trials and tribulations of every kind. That doesn't mean you need to desire it. <laughs> so... Don't insert your own desire into what you want the Bible to say or what you want Jesus to do. I think that's where we start getting in trouble. One of the, one of the ways. Second thing, <laughs> don't get caught up with everything that others are saying. Don't get caught up in what, everything that others are saying. So if you look in 23, verse 23, it says, then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. It's not what Jesus actually meant when he said that, but it still started spreading through the brethren. Be careful. Guard your doctrine. Doctrine is an important thing. Guard your doctrine. Go for it, fail well, research, guard your doctrine and make sure that it lines up with what the Bible actually says. Not what you want the Bible to say, not what everybody else is saying the Bible says, but what it actually says. Now, there's an interesting thing with culture here that is important to note. Uh, My wife and I have traveled a lot extensively. Uh, I've been to 22 countries. And I have seen the church in a lot, a lot, a lot of different cultures. We, the American church, doesn't have it. We don't have the answer. We don't have the only way to follow Christ. The church in other countries is beautiful, and you might be kind of uncomfortable with going to church in some of those countries with how they do things. There is some cultural expectations and differences that we need to watch out for. Just because it's the way we do things in Calvary Chapel of Ithaca doesn't mean it's the way to do things. So be very careful with, well, it looks good, it sounds good, so it must be the thing, the right thing to do. Maybe for you. Or maybe it's not for you. Maybe you need to be challenged. Maybe you need to fail a little bit more in the way that you are thinking through Christianity, following Jesus, what that looks like. Shake your worldview, guys. Shake it. When you become a follower of Jesus, your worldview has to change. 
I will stand by that, and we can talk. I would love to talk about that one. Worldview is a fun one for me. Your worldview has to change. The old man becomes new. Part of that process is thinking through what you do in your life, how you act, what you say, where you go. These are all things that to process through this aspect of failing. And I'm not saying it's, it, oh, you can never go see a movie. That's bad. <laughs> I go see a lot of movies. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about lifestyles. Not the nitpicky stuff like, oh, you could never listen to DMX. That's just not okay. You could never listen to that kind of music. Iron Maiden, off the list. I mean, they're, they're funky. I don't know. There's some, there's some weirdness there. But all that to say, don't, I'm not talking about the nitpicky stuff. I'm talking about lifestyles, decisions, mentalities, worldviews, how you think through people, how you think through Muslims, how you think through Russians. This is important, guys. It's important to think through and to fail well and to talk about, have accountability, get conversation rolling. So be careful with that. Third thing, to do not. Uh, this, is, uh, this, one, this one challenges me. Do not be so focused on discovery without revelation. Do not be so focused on discovery without revelation. If you always journey with no arrivals, you perish from lack of food, shelter, or love. Maybe it's because I was on a survival trip, but that's what it is. If you are journeying, hiking, in the business world, whatever, on a survival trip, castaway, if you are journeying, if you don't stop, at some point, you'll die. You got to eat. And at some point, you will run out of food, and you have to get food. At some point, you will need a shelter. And maybe that shelter is a tent that you throw up in five minutes. It's still stopping. So don't always be on this journey of discovery without ever having a revelation. And that can look really different. And this is why this is challenging me. I love philosophy. I question the heck out of everything. You can ask Scott and Andy in leadership team meetings. I am the naysayer. And I own that. I like being the naysayer because I want to challenge everything. <laughs> God bless my wife. Married for 15 years and she's had to do that for 15 years because I question everything. Um, I do and I like it. I'm intense about it. Super intense. I mean, some of you guys I've talked to, Caleb, we've had conversations where it's like, hmm, you sure about that? Ah, what about that? Not option two. I, I just, I, it's almost like never satisfied. And so this was challenging for me to, to, to think through and to read because I am very focused on discovery, very focused on the process and go and oh, more. And, oh, let's read this. And this is new. Cool. Let's check that out. There's got to be revelation at some point. You have to have an arrival, even if it's temporary, you need to have a revelation and an arrival at some point. So warning, be careful with always seeking discovery and never having a revelation. Don't do that. Don't always go after something constantly and never arrive at a place. So first thing, encouragement, fail well, do it. Second thing, a warning, be careful, don't get cocky in the faith for whatever reason, all those things that we covered. Third thing, move. Respond while you are in progress. 
Here's what I find a lot of us in Western Christianity do. We have the mentality that we need to grow here first before we can help others grow. I don't see that in Scripture. I see a lot of people helping others, and they're kind of terrible people. <laughs> they're not good in themselves. They need a lot of help and a lot of work, but they're still helping other people. Name a character. I mean, name a character. They all do it. Daniel, he does it. David, he does it. Not Jesus. Okay, fine. <laughs> the perfect man, absolutely. We need to lay ourselves down and serve others as we are failing. That has to be part of our, our spiritual walk, is to lay ourselves down while we are failing, and I'll prove it to you. Turn to Matthew 28. <clears throat> Matthew 28. Another famous verse, section of scripture that you'll know, 16 through 20. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you as long as you're fixed. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Is that what your guys' Bible said? No, that's okay. Please keep preachers in check, guys. If I say something, you're like, what the heck is that? Then you say something. Okay, I'll try it again. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, as long as you're strong enough. Amen. No, thank you for whoever said it. How many qualifiers are on this Great Commission? What are the qualifiers? The disciples? They were the disciples, which some doubted. And what did Jesus say to them, to the doubters? He didn't say, oh, 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 oh uh, Thomas, sorry, you don't count. Brother, <laughs> you, you, you've doubted enough, okay? I, I'm right here still. You. Do you know what Thomas did after his life? Don't answer. What did Thomas do? After, after Jesus ascended, what did Thomas do? Church history. He went to southern India and rocked the nation. Southern, southern India is now a, a largely Christian population because of Thomas. Thomas was, was, a, was a Middle Easterner. <laughs> he was an Indian. Total cross-culture ministry, and he rocked that nation. He failed. He might have been one of the ones who was doubting even when Jesus in his resurrected form stood in front of his face. Thomas still was obedient. The Great Commission is for you. It's not for me and Pastor Scott and Andy and the guys in Hillsong and these missionaries we support. It's for you. All of it. Teaching is for you. 
baptizing is for you. We can have that conversation too. That's a fun one. This is for you in your failure. You don't want to talk about laying yourself down, struggling with, well, okay, if Jesus is God, I did this last week. This is a good one. If Jesus is God and Jesus died on the cross, then did God die? And if God didn't die, then was Jesus not God at that moment in time, so his bodily form died, which would also mean that we had a separation of a double deity. So we worshiped two gods at that point when he died. Have you guys dove into the crucifixion? Dive into it. So many times we're like, let's talk about what the beast means in Revelation. Oh, man, there's that weird thing like... Can, can women be in leadership in the church? Uh, speaking in tongues, does that still exist? Do you speak in tongues? I don't know. Can we speak publicly or is it only a private thing? Right? How many times do we get like wrapped up in this stuff? What's the crucifixion actually mean? Really? What happened when Jesus died? What happened to his deity? Did anything happen to his deity or can God die? 100% God, 100% man. What does that mean? Okay, while you wrestle, share. Share. You're called to. It's a command. There's no option to if you can afford it, how much you know. Man, let me tell you, peep, new believers, so when we've led people to the Lord and we're like, go tell people. They share the gospel so much more effectively than somebody who has been doing it for years and years and years. That's what I found. New believers, man, they just, and they pour it on. Simple faith, simple gospel message, boom, they share it. Because we get tied up in our failures a lot of times, and we just own our failures, and we stay in our failures. Fail well, and share while you fail. It's what we're called to do. The Great Commission is not for the perfect. It's for the redeemed. And if, if you have Christ in your life, you're redeemed. You're redeemed. Peter denied knowing Jesus, and he still was given that idea. That the, 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 uh, John 21 was said to Peter, then go feed my sheep. Do you love me? If you say yes to Jesus, then there's a lot of world out there, man. There's a lot of world up on that hill right there. Share. Do it. Don't stagnate just because you don't think you're good enough. Just because you don't think you deserve it. Because you don't know enough. Whatever the reason is. Because, oh, I'm in so much pain. Okay, I'm not denying that you might be in pain but that does not acquit you from sharing. Share. Lay yourself down. So what the heck was up with those quotes in the beginning? Anybody want to take a guess? What were they? Those five quotes had something in common. People are saying, yeah. about the lowest you can get, death, <laughs> right before they died. 
These are people's last words. So Nathaniel Hale, I only regret that I have but one life to lose for my country. Braveheart, freedom! Right before he died. Winston Churchill, what is that? I am bored with it all. That was his last words. I love that one. I did not know that before this week. Cicero, there's nothing proper about what you are doing, soldier, but do try to kill me properly. Steve Jobs, oh wow, oh wow, oh wow. Jesus, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. It wasn't before death, but it was before he left. It's the last thing Jesus said, and I'd say that's pretty darn important. The last words while he was on earth. Go, because I'm with you. Lo, I am with you always. Guys, I got you. Go. While you fail, as you process, go. Don't get cocky. Keep yourself in check. Get accountability, but go. Do the job. That's the encouragement this morning, guys. Go, go. That's the calling that we have as believers. Go. Jesus' last words to us before ascending, go. So let's do it. Because if we don't, who's gonna? And the church is not doing a great job right now at it. So step up. Somebody's got to do it. Step up. Simple thing can be, man, you know, <laughs> praying for your waiter or waitress. Prayer is effective. You guys are nervous about like, oh, I don't know how to preach the gospel. Ask if you could pray for somebody. Practical. Meet them. Meet, don't be like, so you need Jesus because you're going to die and go to hell. Okay, you might not be wrong, but... <laughs> Let's, let's talk about approach a little bit. Man, meet people. Meet people where they're at. Pray for them. I love that. We used to do this in, in Manhattan all the time. We would literally set up a table on the street and we would, anybody who passed by, hey, can I pray for you? The testimonies. It's so cool what God does when you just put yourself out there like that because that's what he called us to do. So if you do it, he does stuff. I mean, there's people, they were walking by. Oh, man, I'm going to a job interview, dude, and I'm like 82nd in line. There's no way. I, I'll maybe like a minute. I, I'm just not going to make it. And it's to this big law firm, like three-piece suit, and he's in like Harlem. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah. And, and like an hour later, yo, what did you do? Because I got it. They offered it to me in the interview. What? And I'm like, tell you about Jesus. <laughs> or, I mean, my mom is in the hospital. She's about to go into her, like, eighth round of chemo. You know, like, can you pray for her? Man, I got there. She was looking really good today before she went in. What? I mean, people would come back. We would stay there all day. We would get lunch and everything, and we would just pray for people, man. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day, man. Be blessed. Reach out. Go, preach the gospel. Look for the good soil. It's only 25% of the parable is good soil. The other 75% is not. Look for good soil. And go, invest in that good soil. Let's pray. Lord, you are worthy. You are worthy of our failure. Help us fail well. Help us continue in life and fail well and Go through this progress, this process of birth to death with you in mind. 
to stand up and to submit ourselves to you even when it hurts, even when it is hurting that we would submit to you, Father. Be the author and the lifter of our head. Be our bread of life, our tower of refuge, and be our love. So God, I pray that as we go out today, this week, God, with all of life, with prelims coming, with caretaking for others, with all the things that we have on our plate and on our mind, car repairs, whatever it is, God, I pray that you would help us to fail well and to share you. Help us not be cocky and look for attention, but help us to bring attention to you. So Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for what it does, for what it says. Bless each and every one of us this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys.